that's because I'm an incredibly anxious person. And so the idea of meeting people in person at that point in my life was just terrifying. So it was easier to just not do it. Well, I didn't say anything rude to him, but I just gave a very blunt answer. Like, no, that's wrong. It's moronic. You probably shouldn't do that. You'll probably get struck off actually, mate. Let, let's not. So here's, here's the thing. When you suffer from anxiety, it doesn't go away. It, it doesn't ever go away. Don't think you're getting over it because you're not. So in today's podcast on The Engaging Marketeer, I am interviewing a very old friend of mine I've known for 20-something years, Billy Edwards. Billy is a solicitor in Liverpool, but it's more interesting that he also organises and runs the, I think it's Europe's largest Transformers convention, annual convention, uh, takes place in Birmingham every year called TF Nation. So Billy had TF Nation organised in 2020 uh, in the year of the obviously COVID outbreak and it was going to be the largest convention they'd ever had with Peter Cullen, the voice of Optimus Prime, being there as the star guest and the whole event had to be cancelled. So I'm going to be speaking to Billy about what happened when that event was cancelled, what it was like for TF Nation, what the future holds for TF Nation and also what it's like for Billy dealing with anxiety and initially struggling to attend a convention full of people to go from that to actually running the whole thing on the stage with the microphone. Absolutely. Yeah, go for it. And um, I have no idea what I'm going to say, so I'm going to rely very much on you. Steer me and I'll do my best. I, I will I will try to steer you in the best way that I, I possibly can. Um, so the, the, the first thing I wanted to to go over was you, you've been running TF Nation now for, is it, is it five years? Um, oh, let me think. Twenty Started in 2015. 2016 would have been our first event. 2016 was the first event. And you had your your massive TF Nation event planned for 2020, which was your the, the biggest guest we've ever had in a UK convention. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the almighty Peter Cullen, Optimus Prime. And it was completely curtailed by events outside of everybody's control. What was that like for you and the TF Nation team when, when that, that hit? Um, we felt a bit like um, a team of people who had to steal Christmas away from people. Um, we knew internally, you know, we, we, we were monitoring the situation and it was getting to the point where we were thinking, right, we might make a call on this event sooner or later anyway, because we don't like the health situation. We don't necessarily feel that promoting an event in this environment is, is something we want to be doing. Um, as we got closer and closer to that, it became apparent to us that, um, yeah, the hardest part was going to be the the actual pulling of the plug. Because it, it's a little bit strange. I, I imagine it's like any kind of business thing, really, is that um, you have the event, which is the bit that the public sees, but then you have all manner of contracts and stuff in the background that have to be untangled before you can make an announcement in regards to the event. So... Yeah, it was strange. It was part of it. It was very regimented and very, right, this is what we have to do. Let's get it done. And the other part was this constant dread of knowing it, it's going to happen and we're going to upset people, but what more, what more can you do? So, And, and I believe from, from conversations we've had as well that um, the insurance you had to cover all this didn't quite help out in, in as much as you, you wanted it to. Is that right? No, and, and that's, that's a, to be honest, that's a position for, I think, pretty much everyone across the hospitality industry, um, is that um, you spend a lot of money on insurance for a lot of different things, and then ultimately something which is, to be fair, even outside of their control, well, obviously by the nature of insurance, things are outside of their control, but outside of what they could reasonably foresee to be um, a risk that they would cover, and then all of a sudden that that insurance basically isn't there anymore. Um, so, yeah, it, it really did go from a position of, I think, thinking back on it now, I think it was the March of 2020 when we were initially locked down, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So I remember being in, I was at our storage facility in Birmingham in the January, and there was, I'd never heard of any of this. Um, 
And then by March, I was in Liverpool, because you remember Mr. Cullen attended another event. Um, and I was there meeting his agent, chatting about logistics and this, that, the other. Um, and literally, as we got up from the table to walk out, we saw, um, I think it was Flybe, an announcement on a, on a TV screen saying, uh, you know, airline goes bust. Um, and I remember him saying, is that because of this virus thing that's just been mentioned? And I was like, oh, no, I think I think they've been in trouble for a while. But um, <laughs> you could then see the ticker underneath with the, the mounting coronavirus stories. And I was like, I don't know when we're going to have this conversation again. And it was it was strange. So, yeah, um, so insurance was to be fair, though, I must say this. Practically everybody we work with was brilliant about the insurance situation. Um, and I should give a big heads up too. Peter Cullen actually um, because not only was there was there no um, financial ramifications from him whatsoever um, he, he got back to us and, and he just said look um, just let me know before you want to go ahead with this um, is this something that's going to put you in any kind of difficulty and, and he'd, he'd said that before COVID as well to be honest he, he's very, very nice and upfront about things because they, they understand it's big international flights and all of that kind of stuff going on. But um, yeah, ripped your heart out is, is how it was. And then to know that your safety net, which you've paid for for all these years, wasn't going to help either. That was um, not the best. <laughs> I, I can imagine running an event like TF Nation where you're getting hundreds of fans from around the world and you're getting guests from around the world to come in is not just a logistical nightmare it's a it's a financial nightmare to, to do as well how do you how do you manage all of that so um so we started by when we first started back in tail end of 2015 we decided to self-fund um so myself and the other directors all put loan money in up front um because it was quite important to us uh we didn't want to be um necessarily um, held to do any things that we didn't want to do and, and that can come with large sponsorships. So that got us off the ground. So we self-funded in that respect. And then it's very much um, just ticket sales that, that paves the way for us with the odd bit of, of merchandise as well. Um, I think you will have seen um, as a result of the pandemic, we revisited the ticket prices and, and more so the ticket structure to be honest i don't know if you want me to talk about that at all but that that was certainly yeah by all means um, by all means it's, it's, it's all all important to know yeah so so we um had historically had a, a weekend ticket option um so it, it was very simple it was you go for a saturday or a sunday day ticket and if you go for both you combine them into something called a weekend ticket which is a bit cheaper and also get you into an evening show. Now that was great, but as time went on, um, we had started taking steps to expand on that because together with that package, we also had um, a Friday offering, for, initially just for people who got there early, to be honest, and we stick a movie on for them. All officially licensed, I have to say. That's mm. another thing we paid for, which um, didn't get used. Um, but, so... The Friday has gradually become our longest day of, of entertainment. Uh, we don't have the trader hall open because it takes a full day to set it up. That's what Friday's for. Um, so we had gotten to the point where we were already looking at adding a charge for the Friday. We knew that the evening event, which we call ClubCon, had risen substantially in cost because of the production that we have uh, for the event. So we were thinking about that as well. Um, we had actually taken our first step. So in the 2020 year, if you remember when Peter Cullen was coming, we had something called the leader package. Now, that was the big ticket, which included your meet and greet with Peter Cullen. Now, a, a lot of people probably won't remember now and can definitely be forgiven for not remembering. Um, but we added some other stuff in with that package because we knew that it would be expensive for people once you factor everything in. Um, so there was like a goodie bag and, and this, that and the other, but there was also early access to the trader hall. 
And in 2020, that was very much part of the thinking was, right, we're going to include this because if somebody has paid for the full package, we feel like they deserve everything at that point. Um, so we, we made this full package, but we also tested it thinking if that's something that proves popular, that could be used in the future. Yeah. So when we had the pandemic and added up all the losses and oh, got back up off the floor and then looked at the losses again and, and decided this is bad, um, it was clear that putting ticket prices up was not something that was necessarily going to help. Uh, we didn't really want to put prices up either. It'd be very easy just to say, right, ticket prices are doubled, but uh, you know, the, you price people out of coming then. So the decision we took was let's take these things we're working on anyway, these bolt-ons, let's add them into the party, but let's completely separate the weekend ticket as well. Because for all that we have a weekend ticket, I know from speaking to people at the event, people would treat their ticket differently. So some people would buy a weekend ticket with no intention of coming back on a Sunday. They just wanted to be in first thing on Saturday morning or no intention of being there at Saturday daytime, but they just really valued the Saturday evening show. So we thought, right, well, let's split all of these things up. And that way it generates additional revenue for us at a time when we really need it but also gives people flexibility to say, well, actually I could potentially attend this show for cheaper now because I, I only have to pay for the bits that I want to pay for. Mm. Um, the other thing that went hand in hand with that is we were very much keen that we didn't want to start charging for children, um, which again would have been really easy just to say, right, kids are a tenner or, you know, something like that, but that's not the environment we've, we've built and, and that's intentional. From the very outset, the, the Mapes brothers who run this with me, um, they come from a family where, as well as the infinite Mapes brothers that we talk about <laughs> often, there are two boys, one girl. And so they found growing up in the 80s in and around London that whenever mum and dad would take them to events, they would be in a position where a family ticket wouldn't cover them because family tickets at the time were typically two adults to two children. Yeah. So we've always very much wanted to say, right, a family is, frankly, whatever you want it to be. Like, it's not for us to tell you what a family is um, or what the dynamic should be. So that's why we have the, the ticket rule in place. So hopefully, with all of these different compromises, we've come up with a solution whereby we will generate extra revenue, but at the same time, keep a family-friendly environment and also give people flexibility to, to book what they want. And fingers crossed, we, we hope it's working. Obviously, we need to get to the other side of this event, but um, mm. feeling okay about it right now. Now, from, from a personal level, I think it, it works well for me because the early trader hall access is something I was always very interested in having because I want to get in there and get those G1 Marvel comic pages before anybody else does it. The the evening event on the Saturday is is always for me the best part of the weekend, particularly oh, the really? the cosplay competition. I, the the work that goes into that is just absolutely phenomenal. You know, I, I dream of being able to do something like that, but I am far too lazy and far too untalented to be able to do something like that. <laughs> but it is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, whereas the the Sunday is is more of sort of a oh heck, I've drunk too much, I've got up too late. It's not as interesting to me, but I will still go in to pick up things that I didn't get the day before, and hopefully there'll be, there'll be discounts. So I think the way you've done it works really well. Cool. Well, so I think I'm, I'm glad you see it that way. I hope um, from what I'm seeing, a lot of people are having a similar reaction, hmm. uh, which is which is nice. Obviously, at the time, like any other of the, the big decisions businesses faced during COVID you don't quite know which way you're going to fall down. But I think through being quite open and transparent with the whole thing, um, you know, we didn't just put ticket prices up and we didn't just change the format and not tell anybody why. We were very open about it. So hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully people have a similar reaction to yourself, to be honest. Excellent. And, and one thing I've, I've, I've always wondered about you is why, why the hell are you doing it? Because when... When we first, I, I wonder this all the time. To be quite <laughs> when we first met, which I, I think it, it was online, wasn't it? It was something what yeah. two thousand and one, two thousand and two, or something, something along those like lines. That. When, when you were 
how old? Embarrass me now. Uh, so I would have just started university. So however old that is, eight, eight, 18 Oh, you're much older than I thought you were. Right. I had envisaged okay. that you know you were you were a young teenager and that I groomed you in some way. But no, you oh, you, no, no, no. you were much older than I thought. Okay, that's good. But back then, you 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 were very shy, weren't you? You you didn't go out much. You didn't go to the early auto assemblies. No. So the the first. I mean, obviously, it, it's your website, which is where I found my way into the Transformers fandom, which was the Transformers.net. Big the plug there, the Transformers.net still exists Absolutely. now. Not quite in, the, not quite as as it was, but um, what is? I'm sh- sure those affiliate links are still live. Um, <laughs> go check it out. But yeah, so I, to be honest, the way it happened was I'd started university um, in about 2003, I think it was. And because, and you'll attest to this, Darren, because we are very, very old, um, in 2003, not everybody had internet at home at the time. No. Um, certainly, people didn't have Wi-Fi. So going to university, and it, I'm from Liverpool, but I went to university in Preston. I didn't know anybody. Um, so it's been, and I'm very very boring if that has not come across already so i would spend a lot of time in the library looking like i was doing really well in smashing life in a uni sense but actually just trying to work out what on earth was going on in, in um, fairness you were doing quite a academic degree i was well i, mean, I was doing a law degree yeah um so you should be in the library you should in be in the a, library a different thing but yeah. but yeah so i was very much in the library and then in the evening library had a mezzanine internet ah this this wonderful novel new thing that I don't have in my halls. Um, what am I going to do with it? I've worked all day, Transformers. Um, and, and so that's where it came from. And the first, so the convention at the Times Auto Assembly, wasn't it? That was the big convention in the UK. The first one that I recall being vividly aware of was AA 2006. Um, and I didn't go. So obviously the, there would have been others in those few years that i have been using the internet, but I was just kind of on the verge and, and getting to know people online and stuff. But by 2006, there was really no excuse for me to not go because I'd made so many friends um, that it would just seem, it would be bizarre that I had nothing else on. I wasn't out of the country or anything, but I, I just didn't go anyway. Um, I know that's because I'm an incredibly anxious person. And so the idea of meeting people in person at that point in my life was just terrifying. So it was easier to just not do it. Mm. Um, But when you guys, so there was a group of about 15, 20 of you, I think at that particular event, obviously, I mean, of of the TF.net. Yeah, we we, we were huge back then. There were many of us. Sorry, sorry. Um, fifteen hundred is what I meant. Fifteen hundred, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, so there's fifteen hundred fans strong. I remember. You might not remember this, but there was a coloring competition, and somebody nicked one of the entries and didn't color it in. They turned it over and got everybody to sign it for me, which was very nice, um, including Andrew Wildman, who literally signed it, saying, "I have no idea who you are." <laughs> Why would he? Quite frankly. Um, so yeah, everybody signed that and sent it to me. And it, was, it was very nice. And I took that as a very polite kick up the backside. You better come next year, mm. which I didn't, but that wasn't my fault. It was a gap year in 2007, right when the movie hit. Don't know why. Um, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, there was no convention in 2007, was there? Yeah. So the, the one year, the I one had, year there really should have been one. <laughs> I had really geared myself up to, to do it as well. Um, and so that became 2008 for me. So that, that's where me going outside and meeting other fans started after, as you said, a few years of just not doing any of that stuff. It, it, it's interesting you, you talk about having the, the social anxiety about going and meeting people because I imagine there's a lot of Transformers fans go to a Transformers convention for the first time with huge social anxiety about meeting people. 
and you've done that and you've gone on and you now stand on the stage and, and host the thing. Well, you, 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 you pass it over to people who talk. Fortunately, I, I don't host the thing because yeah, you, although I'm not <laughs> capable, I'm still me. So. But you, <laughs> you host, you host some of it. You do host some of it. You do get on there with, with the microphone and do that. So what was that like, that sort of, I'm, I'm going to use the word here, that transformation? What was that like for you to, <laughs> to change from somebody with social anxiety to getting up on the stage and doing it? So are there other people listening to this who are feeling mm. that themselves about potentially going this year for the first time? They know what it could be like and how it could change for them. So it, it was brilliant because it was it, it was very apparent to me very early on that it was bigger than me, if that makes sense. Like whether or not surely I get not, on stage, surely uh, not. No, no, no. It, it was just like whether or not I get on stage and say a thing doesn't really matter. But if I get on stage with the background I have, and then like on a platform like this, I can explain it to somebody else. Um, that's useful. So in that sense, it was bigger than me. Obviously, the event was bigger than me, but I mean, it was bigger than my personal experience. So at my second event, 2009, um, 2009 is that? Yeah, eight, nine. So at 2009, I started volunteering and I did it because I, I did not know what to do. I was walking around and other than when I was with all of you guys together, that was great. But when I wasn't in an immediate social circle where, I guess I use the word safe, where you feel safe, mm. um, it was very, very strange for me to think, right, what, what do I do here? Like, so I didn't feel useful. So that's why I started volunteering and then progressing onto stage stuff. It's just a natural progression of that. And, and I'm sure you all know this. You've done stand-up comedy and stuff. Like I, I always think that, using a microphone is actually quite good for somebody who's got anxiety because when you're the loudest person in the room, people will listen. <laughs> now there, there is, there is another side to that, which is you better have something good to say at that point. Mm. Okay. But I, I personally find it much easier to speak to many, many, many people than I do to speak to one person. And I don't know if that's the same for lots of people or not, but one-on-ones um, are difficult. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, it's exactly the same for me. To be honest with you, I find it very difficult to speak one on one or, or one on two. I would much rather have a microphone on a stage in front of three hundred people than I would have a one to one conversation. Because you're having a one to one conversation, you've got to listen to what the other person's saying. You've got to pay attention to what they're saying, and you've got to understand what they're saying, and then react to it and respond with something intelligent that doesn't make you seem like an idiot. Whereas if you're talking to... Difficult for some of us. Dif very difficult for some of us, because I, I have no empathy whatsoever, and I have no interest in what anybody else is doing other than me. Uh, so these one-to-one -one interviews, very, very hard. I really have to concentrate. But I would much rather be on a stage talking to 200 people, because I'm not talking to them, I'm talking at them. And it's not, mm. it's not me. I mean, you, you probably feel this yourself when you're on the stage. It's not Billy on the stage, it's Billy Stripes. It's the character you're being oh, someone absolutely. else you're projecting. Yeah. I mean, I'm not worrying them today, but but yeah, that, that is very much a thing. That's why doing TFN stuff have a uniform on it. It's it's just like any job in a way. Um, I, I, I don't want to call it a job, but, but it is. You put yourself in a role, don't you? And, mm -hmm. and I'm sure that's very much what you do when you're doing your presentations to various companies who, yeah. who come to engage with. But it's, you have to step into that position. Otherwise, you just just a guy having a chat on stage. It doesn't help anybody really, does yeah. it? It's like, it's like a mask. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Or, or a pretender, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep doing that. I'm going to keep throwing those in. Anyone listening to this who doesn't know anything about Transformers, this means nothing to you. Anybody who does is going, yeah, that was good. We know what's going on. <laughs> that was good. That's all that's important. <laughs> <laughs> but it's weird though, anxiety. I remember, um, so a bit later um, in my development if if you will i was at a point where i was so, so I'm, a, I'm a solicitor so i was a trainee solicitor at the point and towards the end when you're getting ready to qualify they make you go and do all of these courses in person which is much more frightening than, than the actual book stuff um so you do strange things when when you suffer from anxiety you do things like like you know that your course starts at 9 a.m so you get there at seven and you stand in a place where no one can really see you. This sounds creepy, but it it, it it just is what it is. You'll go and find the room 
and scout it out and make sure it's the right room. I'm in room six, brilliant. And then you'll spend the next half hour convincing yourself it was seven and you keep checking your phone or maybe it wasn't a phone back then, maybe it was a pad, but like you'll do strange things like that. And I remember on this one occasion, I'd, I'd gone in um, and I'm sat down and, and this room is absolutely packed. There's like about 200 people in this room, um, all about my age, all in like casual clothing, but not too casual, but it, it, it's a course. So that's fine. There's no suits and ties. There's one guy who's about 60 sat over there. Good on him, quite frankly. Um, but everyone else is about my age. Um, and was sat there and this guy got up at the front and he started having this really boring argument. And I won't, I won't bore you with it, but basically there is a, there is a piece of legislation that we deal with where you have to quote it to um, the other party in a type of litigation, just to put them on notice that stuff's going to happen. You can't just rock up at court. You have to give them formal notice. And there are two sections very close to each other that have very similar wording, but they're for slightly different scenarios. And his argument was, I just use both of them on every letter because then I can't possibly be wrong. And I was thinking, I mean, he's not technically incorrect to say that, but it doesn't strike me that that's what you should be doing. Because, like, I could print the entire civil procedure rules. It'd be a very long letter. It'd be like <laughs> massive. You know, I'd send the book to someone, but you can't really just say, oh, yeah, it's in there somewhere, mate. Um, and he was annoying me. And, and I, I was in there, anxious as anything, but... It was lunchtime. That really plays into this, by the way. It was lunchtime, and we were going for lunch in this hotel in Manchester, and he was stood in the door and not letting us get out because he was having this big argument with this tutor who didn't want to hear it. And I, I honestly can't remember what I said, but I said something typically me, to be honest. Like, I, I cut the guy right down. Um, and it wasn't... I didn't intend to... Well, I didn't say anything rude to him, but I just gave a very blunt answer. Like, no, that's wrong. It's moronic. You probably shouldn't do that. You'll probably get struck off, actually, mate. Let, let's not. And then just carried on on my way. Didn't think about it again. Um, and it's fine. And we're sat there at lunch. And then it transpires at lunch. Um, I'm asking the, the girls sat next to me when their exams are, like mine. And it transpires that everyone there is already qualified. They've literally just put me in a CPD course with a lot of qualified people. And I'm like, I have just shouted someone down, but I wouldn't have done that had I known he's more senior than me. But my point still stands. And at that point, something went off in my head and I thought, well, just because people are at any particular level, if someone's wrong, they're wrong. It's, it's as simple as that. So there are things like that with me whereby the anxiety might be there in the background, but ultimately there's a guiding principle of don't be wrong because I don't like it. <laughs> and I'm going to say something about it. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that feeds into your story at all, but you just reminded me asking about anxiety. So Yeah, no, not that, that's, that, that's, that's really good to hear. I mean, you, you brought up the fact, obviously, being a solicitor. Yeah. Uh, which which means you working in a a very serious office in an, an important role where you know things happen that can affect people's livelihoods can affect people's futures and you're a Transformers fan. I obviously working digital marketing and web design slightly more accepting of people being a little bit geeky. What's it like working as a solicitor yet also running a Transformers convention? What sort of feedback do you get from your your colleagues or people you work with? Do you know what? The vast majority of people have been really supportive because they might not quite understand it. Um, it it's usually when I direct them to our website, to be honest. Like if someone doesn't quite understand it, I say, right, just, just imagine a thing that you really are interested in, like football or whatever it is. Pretend that's the theme of this event. And then have a look at some of the like panel shots and stuff. Have a look at the stage. And I think once people realize that it's quite a professional production, that the theme almost goes away for them. Mm. And, and they think, oh, actually, that, that's quite cool. Like I, I've had people who've got no interest in Transformers whatsoever um, come to our events um, because they're, they're just so interested in, in hearing about it. It's very rare that you get anyone push back and, and try and try and say anything rude um 
it's 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 more the point that some people just won't get it and so they just they just won't have the conversation with you but it is typically fine with the exception of linkedin to this day i still don't know how to use my personal linkedin um you're obviously the man to speak to about that but yeah it, is it still the case and I know that there are reasons why you wouldn't want to do this, as I get free advice from you now. But is it still the case that um, they look down on people having dual accounts on LinkedIn? Oh, you mean actually having two accounts? Mm. Oh, yeah. It certainly was when I looked at the rules. I, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. No, no. You, you, you won't. No, so what, well, I don't do that. But yeah, of course. That, that, that was the the impression I got. So I have this kind of weird hybrid LinkedIn, where it's predominantly. I just use it to to contact people in regards to the convention, but I also still have law contacts on there. Mm. They mustn't have a clue what's going on. So I've, I've not <laughs> been very active on it on a long time, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, that's a strange melting pot. But, um, but other than that, in person, people people are, are fine and I think it's quite fun. Yeah, you you do get LinkedIn Nazis every now and then who who say <laughs> things like, "You shouldn't be posting this on here. This isn't Facebook." This this isn't Instagram. This this isn't TikTok or whatever it is. And it, really, you can just ignore those people. LinkedIn is about you, your professional career, your personal career. It's about who you are, what you do, and what you like, and what you're passionate about. And if you were just posting links to your own company website as a solicitor, this is what I do. I do really boring solicitor stuff. Then it's just not going to help you or you or your company for that regard. So it is about showing your personality and showing what you are and showing what you like, whether you're looking for work, looking to hire people, looking to make contacts. So the LinkedIn Nazis can, can quite frankly just, just do one and get back into their own little little holes that they, they, they crawled out of in the first place without me going off on, on those kind of people. Um, so TF Nation, mm-hmm. you had this huge event that was cancelled. You had a second year where we weren't able to do anything and everything went online for those two years. How was that to set up to, to change it, to make it an online event? And how did that work for you? The decision to go online, um, was, was a very quick decision. Um, it was simply a case of, right. We have a lot of people out there and obviously we refunded all the tickets. I I think that's an important thing to to put out there first because a lot of events didn't. So, we offered refunds if people wanted to roll over. That was really cool and assisted us. But I, I rolled mine over, rolled mine over. Uh, you're a superstar. Yeah, I thank you for that. Um, so we didn't necessarily have a financial incentive to put on an event. We didn't have to do anything. But we knew that there were so many people out there who, you know, th- this event is kind of their safety net. It's their annual holiday. It's their, it's their Christmas. It's the big thing they look forward to. So the... The decision to, to go online, that came about very quickly. Um, figuring out how to do it, that, that was quite different because we had no clue about any of that stuff. And in fact, we did it differently. In our first year, we um, we did it in different ways, I should say. We, we ended up doing uh, two online events. The first year, we streamed via Twitch. And the second year, we streamed via YouTube, both through a different sort of... Uh, problems and logistical things that you have to think about um but yeah so it, it was a case of right in a strange way we, we have this event which is almost don't look at it as being an event that's shackled by the fact that it's it's not a full convention look at it as being an unshackled event so let's take what we do and say right well geography is no longer an issue um you know the guests were all very kind in coming on without charging so finances almost are are basically not an issue at this stage so let's just put on the best entertainment we can and make it in such a way that if you want to stay for the full weekend that's great um if you want to dip in and out that's great um we run it in conjunction with toifu who is a seller at the event who um they sell toys and all of the proceeds are donated to a charity called mary's meals so we thought right if we work with them, that means the charity doesn't miss out. And it also means it feels a bit more like an in-person event because you can go and buy things. You, I think they had a separate stream on, so you could go and look at the actual toys. Um, and we bolted things on like massive Zoom calls, which are, are, are not good. Uh, <laughs> but they're the best way to try and 
give people the chance to have that bar-like atmosphere. And then as soon as possible, we encourage them to go into the slightly smaller Zoom calls, which are easier to manage. Um, so that's kind, of, that's kind of how it went about. And it was quite a streamlined team that did it because so many of our team, we have a massive team, but so many of them have very specific in-person, on-the-day roles. You know, there, there are not many tables that needed lugging around for the big broadcast of yeah. 2021 and 2022. So it was a different team. Um, in hindsight, it doesn't feel like we ran a TF Nation, but at the same time, I don't feel like I've had any break from running <laughs> TF Nations over the last couple of years. So in terms of... Um this event coming up and future events as well. I'm not going to try and get any guest information out of you because I know you can't do that. But is there anything that you would like to be including in a future convention? Not necessarily guests, but any sort of activity, any sort of event, anything you want to get involved with that you haven't yet done? Um, so not for this year's convention, um, because this year's convention, I mean, it, it's all out there. The schedule's coming soon, but the, the main pieces are in place. Um I really enjoyed the concert that we put on in 2018. Oh, that was amazing. And now that we know how to do that, and it, it seemed to come off quite well. Um, quite well. Being... Quite well. <laughs> Logistically, in terms of Mr. Stan Bush, he came off very well. Yeah. But in terms of cue control and things like that, we, we, were, we were happy. Um, I would love to do something like that in the future, but not necessarily that again. Um, cough, Vince DiCola, cough. Well, well potentially. Mm. Um, there are a few musical sort of guests out there who I think... I think we could put on a show, but I wouldn't necessarily just want it to be, here's a microphone crack on. Mm. Um especially if you look at composers and things like that, people who've written scores for, for movies and stuff, you know, every, not every event is going to be a Stan Bush concert. Um, so right now I, I don't know what that would be, but I just think that was such a good evening that that's something I'd like to do at some point in the future. Um, and yeah, and, and then we get into guests and stuff, but like you say, I, um, I, I'm limited in, in what I can say. <laughs> Does that mean then, again, I'm not asking for names because I know you can't do that. Does that mean you are in negotiations with people either for this event or for future events? Yeah, so so typically we typically we work a couple of years in advance. In, in terms of planning the event, we can work anything up to like six years in advance, something like that. Um to give you a vague idea. So if you've got a big anniversary of G1 coming up, for instance, maybe you'll do a G1 themed event or Transformers Prime or, or whatever. Hmm. Um, unfortunately for me, being born in the year of G1, I'm very aware of all the G1 anniversaries that come up. And I'm very aware that I think it's the 21st anniversary is coming up soon. Um, and you know, I'm going to enjoy that birthday very well. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so COVID kind of did a strange thing there in that it took our anniversaries and jumbled them around. So we're in a position where we've been speaking two years in advance with guests and then two years of shows didn't happen. So what I've done is gone back to all of the guests, um, ones you knew about and, and some you didn't know about. Um, and I've said to them, look, the, the plans have changed. We're not just going to rinse and repeat on these shows because there are certain things we want to celebrate each year. We're not going to be anchored into just celebrating those things, um, but we're going to mix and match things. So over the next few years, like if we have a chat in a couple of years time and I'm able to talk about it, then you'll know <laughs> that some of the guests who are planned uh, to attend over the next two years, I guess I've been speaking to for a while, mm -hmm. but then at the same time, there are new guests because, you know, there are always new Transformer series, new Transformer fans. The comic book license is changing at the end of this year, I believe if my, my dates are right. So you want to always keep a finger on the pulse with that stuff as well. Hence mixing it together. So yes, very much talking to guests. Um, 
most of them already know about it, but there are a few others. Um, and a few that were just open to, there's a new um, cartoon coming as well, isn't there, uh, on Nickelodeon? So we don't quite know the, the cast for that yet. So that'll be something I imagine over the next few years we'll be keeping a keen eye on as well. So yeah, you'll be on IMDb, get all the names, get all of the agents and off you go. That's your hit list. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Over the years then, what has been your favourite moment from TF Nation? Whether it's one that you've been organising or whether it's one before you actually organised it, if those things even rank in your top ten. So I have, I don't know how many moments you are, but I have one moment in particular. It does feel like a cheat <clears throat> because not only did it not involve me, but I wasn't there. Um, but I've seen a photograph of it. My favourite moments were when you weren't there as well. So. <laughs> I mean, they're brilliant. They're so much more interesting, aren't they? Um, so there is a photograph on our website from 2016, which is our first event, of one of the Mapes brothers playing rock, paper, scissors with two random attendees. Um, I know, I know. And the deal was we had we had done a deal with IDW Publishing via Nicros, who was, who was instrumental in this, whereby we were getting advanced copies of um, a new comic book that was coming out at the time, or a trade paperback uh, for Wreckers, I think, one of the Wreckers books. And no one knew we had it because it was ahead of release date, but it was cool for us to have it, um, so long as obviously we didn't sell them ahead of release date, which was never the intention anyway. So we just thought, right, so let's let's just go around and find people who look shy. There's a, there's a difference between looking shy and looking like you want to be left alone. We mm. didn't just round up people who didn't want to be involved in this, but <laughs> if people were looking like they're a bit shy, they were first time uh, Transformers convention attendees, we just get them together and say, hey, let's play rock, paper, scissors and not tell them there was a prize coming and then the prize would come out at the end. Um, the prize is largely irrelevant at this point in history. But it's the fact that you see that picture and that just reminds me of the efforts that we went to to try and create a social atmosphere. Because it's one thing me sitting at the screen and doing spreadsheets and booking flights and stuff. That's wonderful. But like if people turn up and don't interact, then it's a bit of a waste of time, really. So that's my favorite moment that I wasn't a part of that I didn't know about until some months after the convention. I don't know if that's of any interest. <laughs> no, no, that, that's that's really cool because, yeah, it is about getting people involved who wouldn't otherwise get involved, you know, like yourself with your, the social anxiety, you not wanting to even turn up in the first place. And there will be loads of people at this next convention who will be there on their own, probably at their first event, scared to talk to people, really hesitant to go up to people, trying to avoid eye contact and, and just trying to mingle around on their own. What, what advice would you have for them, or, or possibly more importantly, advice for other people who see them? I think, so it, it always feels very easy when you're beyond the, so here's, here's the thing, when you suffer from anxiety, it doesn't go away. It doesn't ever go away. Don't think you're getting over it because you're not. What you're going to do is come up with, coping mechanisms which mean that you can get the most out of life or any given situation um, and to an extent i'm sure if you include shyness as a form of anxiety and i'm sure you probably shouldn't but that's i think that's a word that a lot of people can can relate to everyone knows how it feels to be shy about something um, then really on that scale everyone's there at some point you know the, the there are not you know 1,500 people in a room and you. As much as it feels like that, they're not all friends and you're the new one. What there are is 1,500 individuals who start conversing. So as, as, as easy as it is to say this, that the first step really is the most difficult because once you've gone into that situation and said something, and, and it can be really easy. Um, I mean... I don't want to suggest that it shouldn't be genuine, but what I think is that if you're suffering from anxiety, it almost helps to come with some like preloaded questions. Uh, so if you're playing with a transformer, oh, 
who's that transformer? Or, you know, if you've got that transformer, oh, I've got that one too. It's irrelevant that you've got that one too, but that's just your way of interjecting yourself politely into a conversation mm. and then seeing, is that person, it's just networking, I suppose, isn't it? Is that person then going to allow you into that conversation? And I, I can't think of an example at our events when that hasn't happened. That, that's not because of us. I mean, we, mm. we try and set the atmosphere, but that is just, the fan community in the UK that it's very cool when you collect these things, which like the average person in a pub might still look at it and think that's weird. <laughs> and then you're in a room with loads of people who don't think that's weird. Then it levels the playing field massively. And, and I find that so many people use those initial questions to get into conversations and they don't talk about Transformers for the whole weekend. You just talk about anything else like you would with anybody, but because you've established there is no prejudice there or no preconceived notions of what it means to be a Transformers fan, mm. um, then it becomes that much easier all of a sudden. Um, and then the, to answer the other part of your question, I'd always encourage people to to just go in and say hello to somebody. I've, um, I've got an example of, of one of our... Um, one, one of our volunteers, um, whose name is Siloui, goes by the name Shadow Online. So, hi Siloui, if you're watching. So, we were doing one of our Zoom meetings, and she told me about an experience she had at the convention, uh, where she was sat, in her own words, crouching in a corner, um, presumably on her own, not knowing anyone. And then a, a crew member came by and said, hi, are you doing okay? She was okay, that's fine. Ran on their way. But apparently that was a big deal because it was like, oh, somebody's checked on me. And apparently that was me. So this is another memory. I have no, I have no memory of this whatsoever, um, which is a common theme at these conventions. When you're running on adrenaline, mm -hmm. I, I have very little memory. This is why feedback surveys are so important because it's almost as if I'm not there. Um, but it sounds like something I would have done. So I'm claiming it. And if it turns out it was anybody else, I'm going to shoot them or something. Yeah. Um, Cause I like to, I like to say that was me, but yeah, j just, I think that's an important thing as well. Even though I don't really take credit for that cause I don't remember it. The reason why I say somewhat jokingly, but also somewhat seriously that it sounds like me is the second half of that. Because if I've asked someone if they're okay and they've said yes, and then I've gone away again afterwards. That's probably because that person struck me as being anxious. And I remember that if somebody asks if you're okay and then they linger, that doesn't help your anxiety. So just like casually letting someone know you're around and then letting them find their own feet and come into the conversations themselves. Mm. Um, that's a great thing. And like similar to my story, as I say, Silloway for and for example, um, has now this year been helping us with uh, video editing for, for guest announcements and stuff like that. So there is a path there um, from anxious person to person who's quite involved. You just have to take that first step or, or trust somebody to to help you take that first step, if you will. Hmm. And for the people that are coming to their first ever CF Nation, what can they expect? So they can expect, depending on where they are in their journey as a fan and their journey with anxiety, if they're anxious, I know not everybody is, but they can probably expect to be overwhelmed at some point. They can expect to, and in a few settings, they can expect to be overwhelmed by how friendly and open and engaging the attendees are. Um, Imagine going to a pub and just sitting down with a group of people and joining the conversation. They'd look at you like you were weird. Um, <laughs> but that's exactly what you do at the convention. Like you will have people mingling between groups and it's brilliant. Um, and at first that can strike you and you can think, I didn't realize they were going to be this friendly, but they are. Um, then you get the toy hall side of things, the trader hall. It's massive. It's full of Transformers. Hopefully you've got some interest in Transformers if you're coming. You should still come if you haven't, but <laughs> hopefully you have. 
that will be overwhelming. There's some great pictures on our website of people just looking around aghast at, at the hall. It's brilliant. Yeah. And then something you mentioned earlier, ClubCon. Um, without going into details, here's a hint. You're going to enjoy ClubCon this year. That means it's G1. You're going to enjoy <laughs> ClubCon. I'm not telling you what it means. No, you will enjoy it. It could be all about whales, for all you know. It, it could right. be could be all about whales. It, it, unless it's just a load of Transformers beers being passed around. <laughs> well, maybe. maybe. I couldn't tell you. Maybe. But um, oh, yeah. ClubCon is one of those things where, by, because it's a theatre-type environment, it lends itself to us doing things a little bit on the dramatic side sometimes. It mm. lends itself to, like, either surprise elements or just elements which are not quite what you're expecting. Um, and very often, like like you mentioned at the start, very kindly, you enjoy ClubCon. Like a lot of people come away from that. And that seems to be the deciding factor. I, I Very briefly, just to tie that to the anxiety point, if that's okay. I, I remember I went to a BotCon in um, Dallas, years ago i don't know when it was 2012 or something and um, i was obviously in convention mode at that point i was volunteering at the previous convention so i was doing my best to go and meet guests because i might want to talk to them and invite them over to the uk but at the same point uh, at the same time very much battling with i'm in a room full of people i don't know here this is weird um and I was going around doing what I thought was quite a good job. And then it got to their version of the evening show. I'm not comparing the two versions, but their version was a, essentially a casino type environment. So you go in loads of banquet tables and I think it was essentially a charity auction, but you get like, you get tokens or fake money as part of your package or something. I don't know. And I just remember walking up to that door, taking one step in and <laughs> straight round and back out again there was not a chance i was <laughs> going to go and sit on a banquet table with people i didn't know it was terrifying so i do know what it feels like um ours isn't quite like that it's theater style which i always think is less intimidating than picking a table with yeah. people um but it's brilliant and so many it's brilliant so that's not me saying it's brilliant it's brilliant seeing how people react to it so i think if it was me, I would always encourage people to come for at least one day and the evening show to get a full feeling of, of what the event is. So that's that's my thought. Hopefully they will be overwhelmed, but in a good way. Okay. I think that um, pretty much sums up everything that we, we, we need to talk about for that. So if anybody is interested in coming to TF Nation or helping out in TF Nation or even getting in touch with you for just a – an idle chat for, for maybe four or five hours. What's the best way they can contact you or TF Nation to do that? So the best way to contact TF Nation, if you're interested in volunteering or just coming to the event, is if you go to tfnation.com. I'll just make sure I've got the dates right. The event dates this year are the 12th to 14th of August. Now, we haven't yet announced the volunteer um, application uh, process, but that's going to be coming soon. If you want to just go and check out the 2022 event, please do so. Um, I definitely wouldn't recommend you just engage with me. Uh, <laughs> but if you want to, you can find me on Twitter um, at Billy Stripes. And if you want to engage with really strange black and white photos of bits of metal, um, then that's what I do on Instagram under the same under the same handle. It has no bearing on any of this whatsoever, but. If that's your thing, it's just a bit. Apparently, just a it's bit mine. Weird. There you go. Yeah, just a bit weird. What can you say? You like metal, <laughs> whether it's robots or whether it's bits of piping. It's it's there. Strange photographs. <laughs> yeah, we we can call that out there. But there was there was two things I wanted to raise. This isn't part of the podcast now. There was two things I want to say. Okay. There's two things that used to happen on TF Nation that I really like that you stopped doing. Charity auction. Charity auction. Mm -hmm. Because it, because if you're going to get a load of people with money pissed. You're going to sell them some stuff. Um, I always love that. The other one is at the end of ClubCon, you used to give guest announcements for the following year. And it was always like, um, I don't know, like the end of a TV program where they tease what's happening next week or the end of Doctor mm -hmm. Who where they tease what's happening next week. That for me was always the most exciting thing because it's that anticipation of what's happening next year. And I always remember 
uh, Darren Kipling's face when they put Perceptor up as coming the following year. And he practically wet himself at the table. And his, his little face, knowing that in a year's time he was going to meet Perceptor, was, and, and you arranged that, I think, that, that was your, because he was thanking you for that personally. I don't know whether you actually did that yourself, but that was so exciting. So, so there, there are two parts to that. The mm. first part, honestly, is that the charity auction was largely autographs that people sent to us. And we've gotten to a place whereby like things like Cameo have sort of taken over from that. So it, it sort of takes away from the autograph thing. can still do it. It might be something I do again at some point. There is... I've got to be careful with what I say here because <laughs> there is an NDA at play. Um, right. There will be an item auctioned this year. I think it's just one item. Uh, I might be wrong. Um, and that will have a, a charity auction. Right. Um, for one item. You'll know what it is when it gets announced, obviously. Yeah. Um, you'll know straight away what's going to happen. But So that element will come back. And I think depending on that, how that goes, whether that is well received, mm. that will be my tester for that in terms of the guest thing um to be honest it so what there is a chance that may happen this year but i think it's more likely if it happens i don't know if it will but i think it's more likely to happen at the closing ceremony and, and that is a personal thing for me i'll be honest with you as much as i loved it and i did because people would scream and it was yeah. great and it, it was really fun but it felt a bit not disrespectful, but it felt a bit weird to announce, here's who's coming next year, whilst your guests are literally just sat there. Mm. Um, whereas if we if we move that to the end of the show after they've done their part, I don't know. I feel a, a little bit more easy about that. So I don't know why, because no one ever came to me and said, I'm really offended by this. <laughs> um, there was no conversation like that at all. But, um, but yeah. And also, just some guests took so much longer to... To, to, to pin down in the schedule that it it meant that we were sort of setting ourselves up to to one day just fail to to deliver because someone needed yeah. an extra six weeks or something i did so. suspect that may be the reason that yeah it takes so long and you can't announce somebody unless they've 100 percent confirmed and signed on it because you could end up letting people down well imagine the imagine the peter cullen thing like that was in the, and stan bush they were both announced online like mm. if they'd have been announced at the event like we could have been killed. Yeah, <laughs> genuinely, we could have been killed. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. It, as much as I love that as well, it's mm. just not always feasible. I would like to be able to do that this year. With it being the first year back, I want people to realise we're back. If that mm. makes sense. So, yeah. yeah. Well, on, on on the auction front, a couple of years ago, I bought a couple of I think it's two or three Marvel G One comic art pieces and it was from is it toy Fu was doing the things that people donated because somebody had donated these oh, right. to be sold off okay yeah cool. and i I, re- I got in early I, I was well i thought i was early and i got to the table and i think there was five or six that were being sold and there was two or three left because the others had gone and i didn't even care what they were i just threw the money at the guy and said <laughs> i'll have them <laughs> and if the other three had been there i'd have had those as well but if they'd gone up for auction they'd have got at least double what i paid for them because i would have gone way over that that's that's the sort of thing I mean. So it, it would have raised a lot more money if they'd been auctioned. Yeah, and you definitely get carried away in the uh, the excitement of the auction. Oh, I do, I so, do. In uh, fact, I don't think I've ever <laughs> actually bought anything at auction. I've bid on a load of stuff, but there's always people who are more drunk and have more money than me, which is a staggering prospect. You say that one of my memory, and this this is an auto assembly memory because I remember the stage. You're going to tell me I did buy something now and can't even remember it, are you? No, no, you were definitely bidding, but it was like. So you were there. Leanne was there, obviously. Yeah. Um, pint in hand. Obviously. Of course, of course, yeah. And like the hand would go up for the bid, and then ever so slowly, as the bids kept going, you'd be further and further back. The pint <laughs> would be further and further down. There were probably another seven glasses under the chair. And by the end of it, I was thinking, I don't know if I can like legally take money from this man. I really <laughs> want somebody else to win at this point. He, he's no clue who he is, let alone what he's bidding on. 
So I don't know what it was. I don't know if you won it. I hope you didn't. I don't. I, I don't think. I, I don't think so. I did actually win something at a charity auction once when I was really drunk, and it was a a large photo montage of Michael Jackson, signed oh, okay. signed by Jermaine Jackson. <laughs> and I've got that up in my man cave in the house. So he's got Michael all around the outside with Jermaine's autograph in the middle. And I, to this day, I do not know why I bought that or why anybody even put it together. There's not even one picture of Jermaine in it. It's all Michael, signed by Jermaine. Okay, thank you very much, Billy. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you, as always. Thank you for being on, on our podcast today. Smashing. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. And uh, best of luck with it all. Thank you very much. Oh, oh, oh.